Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the Kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Evening family, evening and morning. Yeah, I ministered this morning at church and um, it's just an interesting different perspective on on what God has been speaking to me through through Dad's messages, uh, so I know you're all familiar. You're all familiar with what Dad shared, and I, I trust this will, will also bless your heart. Today, I just want to, before we begin, maybe for my more for my benefit than for yours, but I want everybody to take a deep breath in and out, and I want to repeat the exercise in and out one more time in. And out. Alright, like I said, it's probably for my benefit more than for yours. I'm more calmer now. But what I want to do today is I want to take you back to, to high school. Uh, in America, junior high for us South Africans and maybe Zimbabweans, grade 8. And I want you to try and remember your biology class when we, we, uh, we learnt about the, the breathing mechanism or the mechanism of breathing. Now, there's probably more qualified people here that can explain science of gas laws, inspiration and expiration, but I'll, I'll do my best. Before, I just want to do some fundamentals and try and refresh and jog your memory on your grade 8 biology. We all know that air flows from a high pressure to a low pressure, right? And that pressure within a volume or, or, or cavity decreases when its volume increases. Okay, so... I'll just demonstrate very quickly with my uh, apparatus here. So when volume increases, okay, the pressure within the cavity decreases and vice versa. We'll, we'll explain this just now. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to cue a YouTube video. What you're seeing in front of you right now is the, a 3D representation of our breathing mechanism. What you will see and what I'm going to be talking about is that during inspiration, when we breathe in, the muscles between the ribs in the rib cage they contract, pushing our rib cage up and out. And at the same time, our diaphragm also contracts, pushing down lower. And what this does is that it increases the space in our chest cavity, and therefore the, our lungs fill that space. So the reason I gave you those gas laws earlier is that the increase of, sp of volume results in a decrease of pressure within our lungs, causing the outside air to rush and flow in as we breathe in. But the important part is I wanted to stress is that breathing in requires muscular con contraction. It's, it requires energy expenditure on our part. It's an active process. But during expiration when we breathe out, it's, it's, if you're not jogging or running a marathon, it's actually a quite a passive process. Although still intentional, you have to, it's, it's just a relaxing of those muscles. So the diaphragm relaxes and returns back to its normal state. And the, the, mus, the muscles between the ribcage also relax and collapses the ribcage, pushing and forcing the air out of the lungs. So again, with my very crude apparatus that I did uh, last night, is that when the diaphragm contracts, it pulls down, it creates increase of volume within the capacity or, or the chest cavity. So that's your, your Coke bottle in this in this picture that you see, and you'll see the lungs inflate. But as the diaphragm relaxes and returns to its normal position, you see the lungs that forces the air out. That's got to do with the gas laws. Increase of vo volume re 
It results in a decrease of pressure, and pressure always moves from a high to a low, and vice versa. Anyway, you guys are probably wondering why we why are we tuning into a biology lesson. Um, well, before I explain, let's let's go to English class for a moment. Let's learn the the etymology or the origin, the root words for inspiration. And shocker, it's not a Greek word. That would be quite upset. The root is not a root Greek word; it's a Latin word. <laughs> inspiration, and I know a lot of us use it. We use it in today's age where we say we were inspired by that song, or we were inspired by that speaker, or we were inspired by God and Scripture and prayer to do something. But inspiration in its root means to breathe in. And it comes from the Latin word inspirare, which means to blow into, to breathe upon. Figuratively, like we said, it means inspire, excite, inflame. Okay, And inspirare comes from two conjunctions of two words. In, which luckily that's pretty easy for us, it means in, and spirare, which means to breathe. So literally it's to breathe in. But what is interesting when I looked this up on the online etymology dictionary, it says there, inspirare is to breathe, and in brackets it says, see spirit. Now, it's interesting how even, even secular world acknowledges inspiration as something meaningful spirit. And they continue and they go deeper into this. They say, breathe into to infuse animation or influence. Thus, affect, arouse, guide or control, especially by divine influence. Inspire, in Middle English, also was used to mean breathe or put life or spirit into the human body. Impart reason to a human soul. Now, what really surprised me is they even quoted the Bible. And they quoted Genesis 2, verse 7, which we should be all familiar with. I'm going to read you from the Amplified Classic. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And man became a living being. Isn't that amazing that even the world's definition of inspiration means God breathed, God breathed, taking his essence into humanity and us becoming alive. I'm going to be reading extracts of Psalm 34 with you guys this evening and morning. And um, I'm going to read from verse 1 and 2 from the message. Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2. I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with His praise. I live and breathe God. Isn't that amazing how David just gets a revelation of how God expands his lungs when he God breathes God in, his lungs expands with his praise. And he's literally living and breathing God. So, this is where the biology lesson pays off. Allow me some liberty to expand on our explanation of the physical breathing mechanism. To see how God inspires us. Now, I'm using that word back to its origin. But also figuratively and literally. Remember we said, inspire, inspiration is where God breathes or put his life or his spirit into the human body. So let's start off with the first one where we breathe in, inspiration. Breathing in, although natural, is an active process like we said. It requires energy on our part. It requires action from our side. To take in God, we need to become, we need to be active and receptive to him. To the point where it's natural and continual. A lot of us, we don't need to think to breathe anymore because it's it's a natural process from the time we came out of our mother's womb and where the doctor 
sometimes nowadays they don't give us a smack on the on the backside anymore but they bring the baby out from the first cry that's the first breath the baby takes from the atmosphere in its own lungs everything else was through the mother's umbilical cord so when we breathe in God it's an active process and and throughout our lives it's become natural it becomes the pattern of life for us but in spirit we need to continually be inspired with God to that point where it be, does become continual and natural where we get to know his word his voice and him intimately so let's discuss expiration when we breathe out <sighs> breathing out although intentional is a passive process like we said you know I was reminded when, when reading the Genesis account of, of the creation of Adam and the word Adam in Hebrew means Adam which is humanity literally it means humanity and Adam's first response to God's creating him is breathing out. Remember, we just read Genesis 2, verse 7, when it said, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And man became a living being. Now, for me, I just love, I like biology and I still do. And uh, you can just imagine that moment when God breathed into this clay-shaped figure, when the, the oxygen of the atmosphere from God's breath went into, into the lungs of Adam, and the oxygen was transmitted from his lungs into his bloodstream for the first time, and color was beginning to flow, and the blood went red with the oxygen of, of, within it, in the hemoglobin, and life began to pump, and his heart began to pump, and his organs were working. And that was the first where God breathed into him. So the very first response, the very first response that Adam responded to God was he breathed out. He breathed in God, when God breathed into his nostrils, and his... That was the very first response of humanity. And it's the same for us today. When we take in God, when we breathe in his life, his influence, our response is like breathing out obedient action. What I did is I've, I inverted a, a message translation of Ephesians 2 verse 2 and I made it more positive because it states in Ephesians 2 verse 2 that in its original form it says we fill our lungs with polluted unbelief and we exhale disobedience. So I inverted that and I said what is the opposite of that? The opposite is we fill our lungs with pure belief and then we exhale obedience. You see, we when we breathe out in the natural, we are affecting the atmosphere around us. Things change, scientifically and biology, right? So, the plants outside, they require our carbon dioxide from us. We breathe in oxygen and we breathe out carbon dioxide. We are affecting the atmosphere for the betterment of the plants. You see, and it's the same in the spirit. When we breathe in God, when we take in of God, when we breathe out as a natural process, being obedient to and in response to Him, we can make an effect in a positive manner in the world around us. We can sustain and be a positive impact in the world around us. The deeper our breath in of God, the deeper our breath out, and the bigger our impact. So this morning as I continue, I just want us to be encouraged to take a deep breath of God. In those moments, in the stillness, in the quiet, when it's just you and God, to take a deep breath of Him, to spend time with Him, in whichever shape or form you, you find pleasing to you, and to God. Like I was reminded in my own testimony is that God creates us individually and uniquely for a reason. 
He likes talking to us and having different perspectives on things. It's like seeing the facet of a diamond. No sides are the same. God likes to see his children in different ways and he wants to communicate with his children in different ways. There's no one shape or formula to that. He gives us his personality and his essence in his word and in prayer. And he wants us to explore with, uh, explore him with, in all these avenues. And I'll touch on that a bit later when I share a brief moment of my testimony. What I want to do is in your Bibles, I want you all to follow through in Ezekiel 37. I'm going to read from verse 5 to verse 14. I'll be reading the message. If you find it easier on your digital Bibles to, to read the exact version, I'll be reading the message account of Ezekiel's vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones. I really like the message translation. Heading sometimes is a hindrance in the Bible, but in this instance for me, it, it spoke to me. And I saw this vision, and I know a lot of you who's listened to Dad, this piece of scripture is not unique. It's not the first time you're hearing it. It's a, a scripture that Dad often speaks of. But within this week when I was meditating, it spoke to me in a different way. And I just wanted to share that with you. It's heading here as breath of life. And I found that really uplifting that, a lot of we refer to it as Ezekiel's vision of the valley of the dry bones, but it's characterized by the breath of life from Eugene Peterson in the message. So let me begin reading from verse five. God the Master told the dry bones, "Watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you, and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin, and breathe life into you. You'll come alive, and you'll realize that I am God." I prophesied just as I'd been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound. Oh, a rustling. The bones moved and came together, bone to bone. I kept watching. Sinews formed, then muscles on the bones, then skin stretched over them. But they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. God, the master says, come from the four winds. Come breath. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet, a huge army. Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they are saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There is nothing left of us. Therefore prophesy. Tell them. God the Master says, I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive. O my people, then I'll take you straight to the land of Israel when I dig up the graves and bring you out as my people. You'll realize that I am God. I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live. Then I'll lead you straight back to your land and you'll realize that I am God. I've said it and I'll do it. God's decree. So that that really ministered to me deeply this past week. And it's not to change the interpretation of the vision at all. It's the, the vision is interpreted within scripture. It's clear. It's, it's right in front of us. In, the, in Ezekiel's day, Israel rebelled and turned away from God. They turned to idols and they put idols within the temple and outside the temple. And the nation of Israel, their heart was sold out to the world. They no longer pursued God. That their lives showed no connection to God. And this is the result of, and the result of the of the prophecy and in the historical context Ezekiel had this vision when Israel 
after turning their back on God and ran away from Him and no longer in a relationship with Him, obviously when God is not on the scene, when God is not present in our relationship, the enemy comes in and destroys. And Babylon did just that. And Babylon is an archetype for the world. Babylon exiled the Israel nation. They were out of their homeland. That's why the scripture speaks of returning to their homeland. And not only that, that their homeland was destroyed. It was later destroyed. The temple was destroyed. So this valley of dry bones literally represents no life, no hope, no connection to God any longer. But what was beautiful for me when I focused on, on this account is that if we see how it mirrors the creation process in Genesis, the creation of man, just like where God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, these bones came together, bone to bone, and it stresses sinew to sinew, muscle to muscle, and skin covered it. But it pauses there. It needed something. It needed the breath of God to become alive once again. And praise God that we have that in Jesus Christ. You see, this is a prophetic vision of Jesus creating humanity once again as it was intended. In Bible study, I stress that we're so familiar with Christian jargon, we say, I'm a new creation. But I want us to believe that in the literal sense that we are recreated. We are recreated in our spirits to God. We Where we were no longer connected, where we were just these lifeless meat sacks, where we were just these these people walking this earth with not, no connection to God, no life, no hope, like these valleys of dry bones. When Jesus died on the cross for us and we accepted his gift and we asked for forgiveness, he recreated our human spirit. He breathes life back into us. His essence, who he is, intimately comes in within our lungs. And we are once again breathing in God and partaking of his presence. We are no longer lifeless. We are no longer disconnected. But we are now alive to God. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing to and to give God all the glory. But you see, just in Genesis, just as in Genesis and just in Ezekiel's vision, look how critical the breath of God is. There's a pause there. He has a separate prophetic utterance to the four winds. You see, it's intentional. He's referring back to humanity. When we read there, it says, I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live. We are, loving, we are living because of God's breath. It's the breath of God that gives us life. It's when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, like we said, we become reanimated, alive to Him, and truly alive once again, like He intended humanity to become. But you see, that's just the start. God breathed into Adam and that was just the beginning of the beautiful story between humanity and God. That's just the beginning. You see, God desires us to, to take in Him and to take in His breath and to respond naturally and breathe out to the world. Now that we are alive to God, we need to keep breathing Him in continually, automatically in a pattern and allow Him to lead us and respond by breathing Him out to the world around us, affecting the atmosphere wherever we are. You see, just like in the natural, one breath alone cannot sustain life for too long. Before you know it, you take that breath in. The oxygen that you've breathed in has already made use in all your organs. It's quick. It's used. When you move around, when you, ex when you exert energy, like we said, breathing in is an exertion. It takes effort. But you see, one breath is not enough. It needs to be the start of a pattern. It needs to be rhythmically and naturally in, in, in ourselves. 
I want to keep reading from Psalm 34. And I'm going to read from verse 11. Verse 11 to 14. The psalm just, again, also came to life with me. For me just reading the first two verses. But keep reading it and, and see how it lined up so perfectly with what Dad was saying. And how it was ministering to my own heart. He says in verse 11 from the message. Come children, listen closely. I'll give you a lesson in God worship. He tells us, this is a man who knows worship. This is a man who, yes, he, he wasn't a perfect individual, but he knew how to worship God. He knew how to surrender the breath in his lungs in praise and worship to God. He says there in verse 12, Who out there has a lust for life? Who wants to live life to the fullest? Can't wait each day to come upon beauty. And here's, the, here's what he tells us to do. He says, Guard your tongue from profanity and no more lying through your teeth. Turn your back on sin. Do something good. Embrace peace. Don't let it get away. You see, like we said, the breath of God, when you breathe in, it's intentional. It requires action. And when we take in of God, He empowers us to work, walk worthy of His calling. The breath gives us life to the true way to live, the true way to be human, as a natural response to God, inspiration. We look and we act differently to the world around us if we take God in, truly, and taking deep breaths of Him. Our response and our actions are God-inspired. And again, that word inspired is breathing God in. You see, it requires something of us. Now, for me, I will share my testimony here for a brief moment and how I came to the ministry. And I believe it was God's mercy and God's gentleness. You just have to look through the Old Testament and a lot of people fixate on, on God being heavy and hard. But you know what? The Old Testament is, is a story of God's mercy with, with us. God's mercy of humanity. Where so many times he's, He created a covenant with man from Adam. And Adam disobeyed and walked away. Adam and Eve said, we can decide our own future for ourselves. We know better. And they walk away from God. Then, in God's mercy, not only does He clothe them and give them something to do and, 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 and land to cultivate, but we fast track down the story. He creates a covenant with Abraham. He cuts covenant, a blood covenant with man. And he enters into a relationship once again. And starts with the Israel line. And again, Throughout the story, man disappoints God and, talk, and walks away from him. From Noah to David, they walk away. But God is still merciful and he fulfills, he fulfills that with bringing Jesus Christ. And he gives us that, that relationship once again. He breathes into us for good now. We are alive. Nothing can take that away. So the Old, the Old Testament for me is a story of mercy and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And... You see, the reason I said that is when, when God, when He, it doesn't require something of us out of obligation, duty, or religion. It's not something we have to do. Just like breathing out is not something we have to do. It's a natural response. It's key to living. If you can't breathe in and you can't breathe out, you're no longer alive. But it's not, it's not effort. It's passive. It's, you've become, it's easy to breathe out. You see, God wants us to, to, as a response to something he's already done. You know, he loved us first. And we should respond out of that love. 
So in brief, my my testimony on how I'm sitting here today, and you've known me now for almost a year and a half to two years, and I'm behind the scenes more and more, more prevalent in, in the local church. But I was working in the world, and when I say the world, it, it wasn't like it was a good company, it was a family, and I loved working there. And But you see, I worked there for 12 years, and before you know it, you can you can forget to breathe in. You can forget to breathe in God. You, f- you can forget to spend those quality moments and intimate relationship with Him when you're so busy doing the things of the world. You know, things that are good and important. Working hard to, to please your company, to please your boss, to put bread on the table for your family, to, to have life, you know, to give sustenance to, to your family and to, to provide. But you know, when we lose, when we lose focus of, of God and we focus on, when we look down and we focus on what we have to do, we forget to breathe God in. We forget to take that time away and breathe Him in. And like Dad's been saying in his recent messages, we don't just lose our light or lose our breath instantly. The relationship with God slowly wanes and we start to look away. We start to look to other things to entertain us and to occupy our time. The world out there, they are they are vying for our time. Where companies now in the entertainment space, they're not competing with each other. That's not their main focus. Their main focus is we need how much time does our consumers have for us? How much time do they have for us? How do we increase that time? How do we keep them fixated on what we have to share? So that's why Facebook auto plays the next video. That's why Netflix quickly suggests something. They want your time. They want your space. You see the world out there around us knows how important time is. Our time. And for me, that's where I failed. That's where my relationship with God it was waning. You know, later on, when we read Ephesians 5, what I, I, I liken it to is, is example. I'll give you two examples. It's like a, a parent myself now, having two young children. We as parents, we know when our children only want us for, for something. They love us, we love them, but there's some instances they're only interested in this one item or, or something or this time. And we know when they come to approach us, they're only interested in that. And they're only vying for affection for something that they can get out. And in the same way, just like a husband and wife where life is very busy, life is demanding. I don't think the human race has had such long working hours in, in, time, in, in terms of mind space than it's ever had before. We cannot just walk away from work. Work follows us wherever we go now. Messages, emails, everything. And a husband and wife can easily live past each other in the same house. They can easily be so busy with the children or with work or both that you don't have that quality time to spend and actually discuss your hearts and share your hearts with each other. And I was just reminded that how does God feel? Imagine how he feels, where he's created this whole earth of children that represent him and his image, but we're too busy. And when we only come to him, we're only interested in what we can get, that we're having a trouble, you know, and they're legitimate troubles, but we're only seeking him for what he can give us. And I was thinking as a father, wow, how, how does that, how does he feel? How is his heart aching that he wants to give us those desires of our heart? He doesn't want to withhold them just like you don't want to withhold things from your own child. But he's like, there's so much more. 
You see, and he's not just father. Jesus is our bridegroom. So he wants to spend time with his, his future wife. He wants to spend time in a relationship and get to know and talk and have meaningful conversation. But we're too busy doing things. We're too busy walking around and doing things and not sitting down and having a, a cup of coffee and a, and a date night with him. And yeah, I just was reminded, how does God feel in these moments? How does, how does he feel? How does his heart break for his children? And, and you see, that's why he's, He's both our father and he's our bridegroom. How does he feel? And these are, these are relationships that resemble intimacy. The closest relationships we ever have in this world is, is fathers and children, mothers and children, parents and children, as well as husband and wife. These are the building blocks of all relationships. So I just wanted to, to remind you and, and, and to think, how does God feel when, when he is not involved in our in our lives i want us to turn to ephesians 5 verse 8 to 15 as a local church we're going through the the book of ephesians as a combined bible study and ephesians 5 was was what we shared this wednesday but last sunday when dad was speaking the message that he spoke in this webinar we're talking about allowing our light to shine and in, and allowing us to shine what God has given us and taking him in and shining. I read this on the Sunday morning while dad was sharing. And for me, it was just a, such a close resemblance of what he was sharing. And I want to share that with you today. I'm going to read from verse 8 from the Amplify Classic. For once you were darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light. Lead the lives of those native born to the light just to stop there you see again let's get away with christian jargon and let's realize that we are new creations we are now children of light and we're encouraged to walk as such it is something that we have to be very intentional about verse 9 it says for the fruit the effect the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness uprightness of heart and trueness of life and try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the lord let your lives be constant proofs of what is most acceptable to him you see when we're intentional about walking as children of light who we are our identity and who we're created to be we have an effect when light shines the effect that we should be living is kindly goodness uprightness of heart and trueness of life that is evidence it requires action on our part to demonstrate that. And I just love, in the Amplified, it says, to try and learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You see, when Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus, he knows he himself and who he's talking to, we are humans. We have to learn in this experience. We're not just going to be shining 10 out of 10 from minute one. We have to grow in that as we spend more time with God. So it's just trying to learn what is pleasing to God. Constantly yearning to learn what is most acceptable to him. You see, it's a conversation with the way we live. Let me carry on from verse 11. It says, Take no part and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and the enterprises of darkness. But instead, let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. You see, there's the corresponding action that we require to do again. We have to turn away from fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. For us to be light, we need to stay in fellowship of light. We need to live a life of contrast. It requires 
work from our side. Verse 12. For it's a shame even to speak or mention of things that such people practice in secret. But when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear. And where everything is visible and clear, there is light. Now, before I read verse 14, this is where God's messages of awakening and allowing our light to shine really came alive to me. It says in verse 14, Therefore he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. Make day dawn upon you, and give you light. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposely and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. You see, I realized something when I read verse 14. He tells us to awaken. He says, awake, O sleeper. He tells those that are sleeping to awake. And that's what requires action on our part. It's only once we are awakened does Christ shine his light on us. You see, I was reminded, I was reminded like, again, back to maybe childhood, when however you, your parents would arouse you or whoever you were staying with would arouse you in the morning, some gently, some not so gently. But the, the Spirit, just like a mother, is, is, is waking us up gently, stirring us, rubbing us on the arm, trying to get our attention, saying, wake up, child, wake up. But you see, it requires action on our part. We have to open our eyes. We have to stretch and get out of bed. That's the key. We have to we have to respond to God's rousing and the Spirit's rousing to get out of bed and to awaken. And then He will give us light. And it's the same. We need to actively breathe God in. We need to take deep breaths of God and spend time with Him. You see, just as if we get distracted and we just exist with mere busy work, we lose our focus of our Father, we lose our light, we fall asleep, we become dim. We choke on the world's pollution. We need to look to the Father and give our attention to Him. He will then respond. He created children with a free will to choose, but of course He wants us to choose Him. That's the beauty of free will. And that's where the metaphor of breathing really spoke to me, is that Breathing in requires an intentional side and it, it requires action from our side. We need to set aside time and however that is. For me, to carry on my testimony, I was sitting the first day on the job. You know, sitting in my living room, okay, quiet time is a is a prerequisite for my job here. There's no getting away from it. You can't not have quiet time and work in the ministry. And you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't familiar on how to do it because before reading my Bible, I did those as, as acts of rituals. And although I got blessed from it from time to time, it wasn't a habitual blessing for me. It wasn't something I did in a relationship because I was so busy with life and with work and doing all these things that it felt like a chore or obligation. And God just dropped something in my heart that morning in the first few minutes of, okay, God, now what? And he reminded me of a conversation with my wife. Where months previously, when I was sleeping, she said, this Bible project, these people, they, they do these amazing videos and expounding scripture and, and bringing it alive. You'll love it because it's just like what you do, animation. You like these kind of creative outlets. You see, but back then I was asleep. I wasn't awakened. So the Lord reminded me of what my wife said months earlier. And I watched one video. And it was almost as if it was perfectly wired for my personality, perfectly wired for who I am. 
I'm a picture person. I like seeing pictures. I like, I also like the academics of it and the study. And they just combined all of it together. But you see, that was the start for me. And the Lord is encouraging me and there's still so much deeper for me to go. But you see, God wants us to spend time with Him as best as however He wired us to. Some people like just putting praise and worship songs on and just ministering to God in that space and time and God speaks to them. Some people, they get in their prayer closet and have absolute silence and read the word and God speaks to them. All I want to do this, this evening and this morning is encourage you is that if, if you feel that you're not fully breathing God in, if you're choking on this world, what the pollution of this world, is just ask God, how do you want me to pursue you? How best have you wired me to pursue you in any shape or form? His word is obviously integral to that. But there's so many ways that we can use that word. For me, from the Bible project to, to putting the word in my ears audibly and walking and seeing nature outside, that really ministered to me because it shut everything else out. Looking at the mountains in the distance and allowing God to speak through into your ears and hearing his word, it allows you to, to, to shed the cares of this world off. So I just want to encourage you that don't feel condemned if you haven't spent that time, that you haven't taken those deep breaths in. Just focus on the next breath. Ask God, how do you want to, how can we breathe, how can I breathe you in? And just ask Him to minister to you there. And I believe He will respond. When the desire is there, when we reach out, like David did in all these Psalms, when he was in all these predicaments and trials and tribulations, he always reached out to God first. That's what made him a heart after God, is that he desired God. He didn't want to live life without Him. No matter what He did. And that's the key for us. I want to read Psalm 34 verse 18 to 19 from the message. In closing. Psalm 34 from verse 18 to 19. He says, If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, He'll help you catch your breath. Disciples so often get in trouble. Still, God is there every time. Just like our moments of prayer earlier, and Michael and Nikki and a lot of you shared, is that that is our confidence, that God is there every time. You see, when you get winded, when you get kicked in the gut, you feel that you cannot breathe, that you're choking, that, that life-giving force is not entering into you. But God is there. God just wants us to, to open, to extend our lungs, to extend our chest cavity, to, to just breathe Him in. And just create the atmosphere where we can just take him in. So I want to encourage you. I want you to look. I want you to, to, to respond to what God is saying through Dad's messages recently. If you haven't already. And if you have, that's great. Keep breathing God in. But look to God. Receive his breath afresh. Allow him to reinvigorate you. So that we may walk upright again. And we may respond in breathing out naturally. In living an upright life. Breathing Him in and out in obedience and love. So I just want to encourage you as, as we close and we go to communion that we all take a deep breath of God. Thank you very much. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.